as we go to our snow camp, um, how bad do you want it in your relationship with God? So we're bringing in a guest speaker. We have a, a worship band come, that's going to be there. And it's uh, four days of just getting into our teenager's life. It's an investment into their future. And so we just ask you, if you have a teenager that wants to sign up, or if you just want to come and support it, even if you don't want to buy the goodies, but you want to help our support our, our youth ministry and our teenagers going to snow camp, visit the bake sale in the back. And we'll get these guys off the stage unless Eric wants to keep them. <laughs> All right. Here's Eric Van Rien. I, I, just, I just want to keep one of them. You can stay on the stage while I'm preaching. Go ahead. Anyway, what the Lord is trying to say is... No, I'm kidding. I, I did see some Seahawks shirts, and I saw some, um, some um, Denver Broncos shirts, of course. We're near Colorado. And then some of you are also wearing shirts for your team. And you guys, the season's over. So I know some of you Raider fans are still wearing your uniforms. And um, we'll pray for you later. No, I'm, I'm kidding. And Cowboys fans don't realize they've been 8-8 eight and eight for I don't know how long. But <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, some of you might be wondering where my wife is. Um, she's in Vegas. Um, she has a gambling addiction. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> No, it's, uh, she's there with the girls. Uh, her parents um, got, uh, got them out there for their anniversary. So they're hanging out for a few days. And uh, um, one, one last thing. Um, sometimes, and I usually don't address these kind of things, but I, I felt like I needed to. Um, just to, you know, how many are thankful for our worship team? You know? Uh, you, got, no, you may not know, know this, but they, they invest a lot of time, and not just because they like music. Um, you know, a lot of these musicians can play on the road, on tour, make money doing music, but they, a lot of them have sacrificed, um, all of them have sacrificed to do it for the glory of God. There's no paycheck for the musician. Um, and just so you know that, and they come here during the week and practice, you know, they're here for two, three hours during the week, um, and really focusing on, um, just bringing the glory to God in their music. And some of them come, um, sometimes you'll, you'll see them out in the cafe and you may, I've had people through the years just ask, you know, how come, how come they're out there? Well, some of them go to first service and then after the worship on the second service, uh, they just kick back because they've been here since the early morning. And some of them will go back there and not be in the first service, even though my message is so amazing. But no, they, they don't, it's not that they don't want to hear it twice, but they, they, they want to uh, see it with their family second service. So sometimes people will think, well, they're just musicians, like a hired hand, so to speak, and not care about what's going on in the life in the church. That can't be farther than the truth. And so I wanted to say that because often, sometimes people will come in and they're not, and this isn't in their case, but they're not ready to go to church. They just want to sit in the lobby. I don't care. Some, you know, sometimes church has a, a fearful thing. People are afraid of church. Do you know that? And, and I, I, I wasn't necessarily afraid of it. I just didn't understand what church really was before I became a Christian. I was raised an atheist. So there wasn't really, you know, I never went in the church, sat in back. But I'll see people that are just not ready to come and they'll just sit in the chair. Um, we're not going to be the church that polices everybody back there. Is that all right? Um, because we encourage you, if you come to church, just come to church. There's something about the power of being in community that is helpful to you. It's part of a biblical command of not neglecting the forsaking, the, 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 the combining of the brethren, that there's power. How many notice sometimes there's really great power when we're all together? And, and there's a great power that's unleashed. So feel free to come in um, and understand from our musicians' perspective is uh, we don't monitor them and police them, but we know them. We have relationship. And we don't let people be a part of our worship team, not because we have a strict guideline, but they have to have a strong walk with God themselves. Okay, Father, I thank you uh, for your word. It is awesome. It is amazing. Uh, Lord, I thank you um, that you can find the biggest sinners and you can um, not just condemn us by calling us sinners, but deliver us, Lord, because your great love for us. And um, I, for one, am thankful. I know my own life. I try to walk with you in all the things that I can, but I know that I fall short still. And I thank you that your, your mark of who you are that we're trying after is not something that we're doing in the human effort, that it's by the power of your spirit.
And Lord, we know that we, can't, we can lower the bar and just feel like we're doing okay and experience half love and half emotion and half intimacy and half forgiveness. Or we can look to you and ask for full redemption. And I thank you that you want to do it. You're willing to do it, that you've done it. And I pray that your grace would cover us this morning, that you make your scriptures have life in them. Lord, like that double-edged sword, that no matter where the scripture goes in our life, it has effect. Lord, and I pray that it would go beyond just the outside of who we are, that you would go at the heart, because that's where we need change. That's where I need change. Get at my heart, Lord. Get at our hearts. Help us to become and find ourselves in you. And I pray, Lord, that the, the, all the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these things that you would give us an increasing measure uh, so that we can experience what it's like to walk with you. Fill us with the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name. If you agree, can you say amen? Amen. amen. I am focusing um, on the 10 scriptures that will change your life. I've mentioned before, if you've been here, a little redundant. Um, I, I'm focusing on a few pivotal points in the text as the story's unfolding, where God points something out specifically. The one today is going to be sort of of a legal nature, but it has a psalm conclusion that's fulfilled in the scriptures in Romans 4, 1 through 6, um, with the emphasis on 4 and 5. Um, it's a pivotal point in the book of Romans. Um, I have covered several, and I want to reintroduce them just to remind you as we conclude this sermon series. Can you say the word trust with me? Okay, now you're going to put your trust somewhere, Proverbs 3. Four, five, six, seven, eight, that whole area says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. You're going to put your confidence in something. Um, I have many times seen movies where people say, you know, I believe in myself, or if you only believe, you know, then you'll make it. I always think, believe in what? Believe that I can do it? You know, believe that I know that I can do it? Listen, there's nothing wrong with just thinking that you can accomplish something with the power that God has given you. But if you're going to put your hope in something, why not put your hope in something greater than you? How many say amen? amen? And if you don't think there's anything greater than you, trust me, anyone who thinks there's, you're fast, there's always someone faster, right? You think you're smart, there's always someone smarter. You think you're good looking, well, just look up here and just be disappointed. <laughs> How many know that's not true? But you know what? It doesn't matter. I don't need to be someone else. I just need to be me. Amen? Amen. And no matter how many surgeries I've had, nothing's helped. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so put your trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Can you say the word attitude? Attitude. Attitude, attitude is such a great thing. And sometimes Christians, you make God look bad with your terrible attitude. Right? If you're trying to reflect Christ... Try to have, be of the same mind, be of the same attitude, it says in Philippians. The scripture there concludes with, I can do all things through Christ. Just, can you just say, I can? I can. Can, can you say, through Christ? Can you say, all things? This is the, the power of God. You, this is the attitude you should have with whatever trial, with the, whatever obstacle that comes your way. I can't do it, honey, I'm sorry. Yes, you can. Don't have that attitude. Don't lose all the time. We're called to be winners. And I don't mean it as a cocky way. When, you, when you're suffering through bitterness and you can't overcome, don't go, I can't forgive. Just say, I'm struggling to forgive, but I can do all things through Christ. Lord, help me. Because he says he's strengthening me. You know, I don't know how to build relationships, Lord. Yes, you can. You just don't let God add the tools. Let him strengthen you so that you can. Right? And we have deficiencies. We know that. Can you say the word Courage courage. This is when you face the obstacles that are bigger than you. And if you are in life, this is going to happen. You're going to face something that's just bigger than you. The world will shrink back or the world will turn to deception and other ways to conquer something. For us, we need to listen to God, give us the strength and encourage by his voice. And I mentioned, I mentioned again, that God put you know, Joshua and basically put him on stage in front of all the Israelite clans. And he says, be strong and courageous, Joshua, as he's entering into a land where there was great destruction, not only people to its own people, kings to its own people, um, but destruction um, and evil coming out. And God said, you're going to go in there and take the kings down one by one. 
And we, how many know we have kingdoms set up in our lives that are there to defeat us? It's not people, but it's strongholds in our heart and mind and soul. The Bible talks about them. Okay, be strong and courageous. Be strong, be very courageous. Don't shrink back when you see the tough thing. It might be an emotion you're dealing with. Oh gosh, I can't conquer depression. Yes, you can. You can conquer it. And allow God to give you strength. Turn to him. And I know it becomes a catch-22. Sometimes when you don't trust God, then you don't ask God. And then people tell you to ask God, and then you go, but if I do ask him, I don't trust him. And it goes round and round in a circle. But sometimes you just need to let the word of God digest in your soul and say, Lord, I can't make this, you know, dissolve, but make it, you know, absorb into my digestive system so that it moves through my blood and it becomes a part of who I am. Are I hear an amen? amen? Then the fourth one in a couple scriptures I use in here out of the 10, multiply. Can you say multiply? You know, we, we can see in the world that evil has effect. It has a great effect. And you, you cause evil, you cause harm to someone, it's got great effect. God says the same thing about righteousness, you know, that, that it is a power, an exponential power. And the first command that God gives to the first being that's created in his image, which is man. And he says to them, be fruitful and increase. Jesus encapsulated, encapsulates it when he says, I want you to bear fruit. You know, I want you to multiply. I want you to increase. I want you to be productive, the, the spirit is going to be in you. He's going to guide you to truthful things. You know, as a father sent me, I'm sending you. There's a power there. It's exponential. If you have one talent, invest it and you got another one. Two talents, you invest it, you get two more. Invest five, you get five more. Plus you get another one from the person who buries it. And there's many people that bury their talent. They bury, bury their gifting. Invest yourself. Don't be, one of, don't be sucked in by... Bad Christian TV, which is pulling you into the fear factor. Be afraid of this. And what about the end times and all that stuff? Come on. Is that Jesus' message? It's all going to be terrible. He says, watch out that no one deceives you. Don't worry. I'll be with you. You know, he takes us in triumphant procession from glory to glory. You know what I mean? Lift your heads up. There's so many scriptures and Psalms that talk about a different message. The end times are going to be awesome. Amen. Just say awesome. Doesn't that sound like more of a good word than I'm afraid? (laughs) Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Don't be anxious. You know, this is not a, a, a name it, claim it message. This is just a biblical truth message. You know, be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. You know, don't run away. Don't shrink back. God's saying all these things because he's with you. You know what I mean? Listen, you want your favorite team to win. And I want, I want a certain team to win too. And no, I'm not wearing orange for that reason. Just happened to grab this shirt. That's how much clothes conscientious I am. <laughs> what shirt you wearing? I don't know. This one's not moving. Yep, let's go. I know there's like four families leaving the church this afternoon. I'm never going there again. Can you say the word love? love? This is the other one. For God so loved the world. How did he love the world? He gave us one and only son. That's why we point to that cross. It's not because it's this religious symbol or a cool crucifix to wear around your necks. He so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. That's how you know God loves you. You know, if you drive home today and your car breaks down and you run out of gas, you don't go, God doesn't love me. Yes, he does because he loves you. The cross is the message. Do I hear Amen. And that's the way, so we can have eternal life. And then devotion, I talked about that. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. These are 10 things, 10 concepts, 10 scriptures that we can, devotion, me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Make a declaration in your heart. Some of you Seahawks fans, you're going, man, I'm for the Seahawks. You made that declaration. So the whole game, you're gonna love them, that team unless they lose, Right? <laughs> And, and the same with Bronco fans. We're going to win, man. Peyton's awesome. The offense is great and all that stuff. They can't stop him. And you declared, we're for the Broncos. Look at my shirt. I'm saying, do the same thing for God. I'm not saying that you got to wear some crazy Christian t-shirt. Okay? What matters, God, can you imagine if the Holy Spirit came and he said, and Jesus says, I'm going now. And be glad that I'm going because I'm going to send to you a t-shirt that you will wear. 
to declare who I am. And you go, thank you, Lord, for the T-shirt. Oh, my gosh. You know, I got the T-shirt now. Do you got the T-shirt? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's not that. There's nothing wrong with the Christian T-shirt. But the thing is, the point is, he gave you his spirit is what he gave you. Amen? So that's the thing that matters. That's the thing that declares God. And yes, you can be a Seahawks fan and you'll be disappointed, but you'll, it's, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm totally teasing. I just want Peyton Manning to win one. That's all. Um, Can I hear the word kingdom? Kingdom. One more time. Kingdom. Kingdom. It's a, it's a principle in the Bible it's another repeat here as we get to my cor- cornerstone as I conclude this message. Kingdom is trusting God, but at another level. You're seeing things. You're starting to see the master's business. You start to see what he's about, that God cares about the people. This is why we're talking to the people, because God loves the people, right? That's we're not bearing them down with the rules. We're giving them the message of life and hope, the eternal life, Jesus Christ. The kingdom is a kingdom-mindedness. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. The kingdom of God, we are made to be a kingdom and priests. We think kingdom light. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Forceful men take hold. Forceful people take hold of the kingdom of God. Amen? So we think kingdom. And then today I'm focusing on two scriptures and Romans 4 and John 14. And here are the words that I want you to say before we start. Blessing. Okay, say, I am blessed. And you may not know it. Okay, it's like the kid who walks down the street and he's forgotten all the love that his parents has given him. And he doesn't realize how blessed he is and he starts to nitpick on something. And then he goes, huh, and he forgets the love. Well, God has even a deeper love than that for us. And I'm going to demonstrate it, how it's so amazing. It's the most amazing love. And it's tangible. And it's practical. And it's holistic. And it's space-time conscientious. He thinks of things much more deeply than you might imagine. And can you say the word destiny? Destiny. God is giving you a destiny. Not a religious path. Gosh, don't hear that. A destiny of who you're not only going to become. Not that your personality is going to change, but your character, the power, the influence. God wants that to increase. And he has hope for you into eternity. That it's not just a, someday you're going to be in Shangri-La. No. And, you know, be up there with clouds and harps and things. It's not that petty and ridiculous. That does sound stupid, doesn't it? You know what I mean? That's not what it is. You get to be with the transcendent God in relationship and the way that he lives forever. In just, and, and, you know, every religion, they change who you are. But in Christianity, you remain who you are. Isn't that awesome? God's going to take you and he's going to redeem you and bring you back. You know, not, not to a religious picture, but let's talk about blessing. Okay. And father, I do pray that you'd open these scriptures here in Romans four, one Lord, I know how cornerstone this, these scriptures are. And I pray Lord that somehow that whether through my communication or, um, correct my bad communication and let the truth somehow penetrate the heart. Lord, with these, with these texts, or let them come to life in a way that we can understand them and enliven it, Lord, make it alive in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Let me give you just a little quick precursor in Romans one, two, and three, Paul is saying that it's obvious that there is a creator. It's obvious that there's created things that the creator made that aren't the creator itself. Nothing creates itself in the material world. We know that. So we imagine a transcendent world from which comes the related world that we can see. He's saying there, then he goes to the Gentiles and he basically says, you guys serve the created things and you fall short, you're you're sinning. And he's saying that not just to them, but he's saying that of everyone. And the Jews rile up in his, in his letter, chapters one, two, this is mostly chapter two. They say, that's right. They are sinners. The Jews are saying that. And then Paul says to them and he goes, no, I'm talking about you and them. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now, if you don't believe that, you go, I, I haven't fallen short. You're just making God smaller. You know what I mean? If I, if I think I wake up and I go, I didn't sin today. Really? 
I met a guy who said, I've never sinned. It's, you know, he goes, since I became a Christian, I haven't sinned. And you, if you sin, then you're not a Christian. And, and I said, okay, I go, you're telling me that you don't fall short of Christ. And, and he goes, well, I'm not saying that. And I go, well, then I said, I said, dude, have you done anything that you shouldn't have done? He said, no. Well, you shouldn't have lied. You know, first of all, you know, number two, I said, I, I, you know, I, t- I told him, I said, have you done everything that you should have done? Because Jesus says, whatever the father does, I also do. I've done everything. I come to do my father's will. And this is the will of him who sent me. Not, you know, not, the, not that I do my own will, but to the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of those that he has given me. That's a great promise, isn't it? That's Jesus talking about doing what the father. I said, you do everything that God asks you to do. And he goes, well... And I go, and I go, so I said, so when I'm looking at you, I'm looking at Christ. I'm looking at perfection. And, and boy, he just like, I, I wasn't meaning to just try to cut him low, like to be critical, critic, critical, but just to help himself analyze himself. Like you think that you're it like, this is it. This is the epitome of mankind in God's eyes. And I go, man, that's why it says in Romans 10, we don't bring Christ down. You know what I mean? Or try to build ourselves up. But it's just, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. It's by faith. So Paul is making this appeal. And then he says, there is no one good. And he's not talking about that. No one has ever done a good thing. He's trying to say that you can't stand your righteousness on your own goodness. How many have done a good thing? Come on. How many know that in totality, you're not good in perfection? Come on. Okay. And that's what he's saying. There's no one good. There's no one righteous. There's no one who seeks after God, not even one. And then, and then, so he, he basically makes this statement and then he says, but so far the father sent his son Christ, you know, to be in the world and to pay redemption for us. And then they absorb this. Imagine the Jews and the, and the Gentiles, the non-Jews, listening to this message 2,000 years ago and thinking, okay, well, what are you saying? What about all the Old Testament? That what, like Abraham and David and what about them? What, what were they talking about? And so this is where he makes his case in Romans 4.1. And, and then he's starting to quote Genesis 15.6 here. He says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefathers, discovered in this matter? He's going to start, he's going to ask the question. He goes, is this true for Abraham too? And he says, if in fact, Abraham was justified by his works or his effort, he had something to brag about or boast about, but not before God. He's saying basically Abraham didn't have anything to brag about. If he could have, he would have, but he didn't. It says, Abraham, what does the scripture say? Abraham, can everyone say, believed. He believed God, his promises, came to him and he believed it. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Then you will be saved. Then you are redeemed. You are restored. You are forgiven. He says, Abraham believed in God, believed God, and it was credited to him. And I was just thinking, you know, you go to the store and you buy that one thing you shouldn't have bought. And then you take it back. And then they, it gets credited back to your account. The Bible says that when we believe God, our, his righteousness is credited to my account. My unrighteousness gets credited to Jesus's account. And he be, who knew no sin becomes the embodiment of sin for us and is nailed to the tree. How many think this is intense? This is a pivotal text here. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him righteousness Oh, I have righteousness credited to my account, even though I didn't earn it through my works. Next verse. And he says, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. Now, I want you to understand this. I've shared this before. When you work at a job, at the end, you expect to get a paycheck, Right? If imagine at the end of your work week, you know, they come and your boss goes, well, you're not getting anything. Why? I don't know. But I worked. How, wouldn't you feel incredulous? You'd go, what? I work for this. You are obligated to pay me. 
He's saying when a man is trying to earn his salvation before God, he thinks it's an obligation that he gets eternal life. I asked someone, I had a missionary who came to me once and I was just asking him questions. And I said, and I said, so I said, have you earned it? Have you worked? And he says, I, I have, and I will. And I said, so God owes you. I, cause I knew this scripture. And he goes, well, well, I'm not saying, I go, what are you saying? Tell me what you're saying. I want to, I want you to bring clarity to me. What are you saying? Well, I'm saying, and then he said the same thing over again, but in a different way. And I said, so he, you earned it. You deserve it. And he goes, yeah. And I go, trust me, you don't want what you deserve. How many don't want what you deserve? Oh, that's where all the prisoners are in jail. Yeah, your butt can be in jail just the same way. Right? I always make this joke, but you know, if you get four, I, I've, I had 30 tickets when I, before I became a Christian, right when I became a Christian, I had 30 tickets for, for driving with a suspended license, a drunken public. I attacked the police officer. I did some really stupid things. Anyone else do stupid things? Like I did stupid things. Yeah. There's a couple of you who haven't raised your hand, but I know who you are. <laughs> You're just worried. There's a policeman three rows back. Who's going to look up your warrants. Trust me, I've had those days where you're wondering how many warrants you still have outstanding. We leave Mr. Van Ree over to his own recognizance. Good luck. <laughs> but the thing is, if you just drive once over the speed limit, you get a speeding ticket. How many have driven over the, the speed limit once without getting caught? Okay, I would like to make a citizen's arrest. <laughs> how many have done it twice? Okay. Did you pay for these tickets, by the way? Uh, that's a violation. How, how many have done it four times that you sped over the speed limit? Do you know that that is a suspension of your license? And many of you are driving the suspended license right now, as far as pure righteousness goes. And because you haven't paid it, if you keep going on, you know that they'll imprison, you get a mandatory, if you're in California, you get a mandatory six month sentence. Okay. Because you should have heard, I won't tell you. But anyway, now, no, you don't want what you deserve. Amen. And trust me, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying to them, Abraham believed it was credited to him as righteousness. It wasn't his own work. Otherwise, he'd have something to brag about, but it wasn't. He's saying, but when you work, it's kind of like you're expecting the result as an obligation. That is religion. Religion has a bunch of things through the world. It happens in the Christian church too, where people are earning their way to get their salvation. And what he's saying, no. Listen, he says, however, to the man who, can everyone say, does not work. It's right there. To the man who does not work. And it's like, it's like I can't get it. I don't understand. What do you mean I don't work? He says, they don't work, but trust God. The man who doesn't work, that's the Greek word there, ergon, right? It, it's, the, it's, it's the works. We're not saved by works. And some people will go, what about James? Doesn't James say, say you know, what good is, is faith if you have no works? I mean, he's right. But you don't do the cart before the horse. He's saying a real faith produces real works. How many of you have, have a faith in Christ? How many have seen your works increase because of Christ? Come on, raise your hand. How many you you think you deserve the credit? Raise your hand. How many think God deserves the credit? Not because you're nice and giving him the credit, but he really did. If he didn't do anything, come on, raise your hand high and testify for Jesus, right? A real, keep your hands up. A real faith produces real works. But how many of you are still not perfect? Okay, but how many are feeling the sensation of God's sanctification? That he's sanctifying you. He's empowering you, right? He's convicting you. How many feel conviction of sin, right? It doesn't feel as good anymore, does it? <laughs> Somehow he just, you know, when it's the wrong direction, God goes, yep, you're going to feel lousy. Okay, amen? amen? Which and how he says, he says, but the man who does not work, but trust God, who justifies the what? Wicked. I had a guy talk to me after first sermon. He goes, yeah. He goes, so I'm stupid and I'm wicked. And I go, exactly. And if you can embrace that, then you're fine. 
Because all you have to do is read the Proverbs and the word fool is the word stupid. You know what I mean? It's just that we're in a culture that you can't say the word stupid anymore. But how many have done stupid things? Well, that was stupid. Right? Right? Listen, to the man who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, he calls us wicked. And this isn't just because God doesn't love us. We already know that for God so loved the world. But he still looks at our deeds and he says, but it's wicked. But his faith, the man who doesn't work, say doesn't work. Say trust God. Who justifies the wicked. His faith is credited righteousness. How many say amen? Now, this is right where we get to the scripture. That's the main thing. Let's make the main thing the main thing. Verse six, it says, David, this is King David. Because remember, Paul's making the argument. Look in the Old Testament. It's the same. Is God loving? Look back. Is he, is he pointing to faith or works? Faith, look back. And then he says, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness. Can you say apart? Apart from works. It's not your works. It's you're credited, you're given righteousness apart from the works. It's, it's hard to imagine. How does that happen? Well, it happens with the cross. That's why it's so important. Your unrighteousness was paid for. And then here is the scripture, and you've heard it before. Hear it with fresh ears. Can you say the word blessed? Put on the next slide if you would, Matt. Blessed are they whose transgressions are what? Forgiven. Listen, you've been loved. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. It's in the past. I'm blessed. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. It's a past tense. They're done. It's done. You are forgiven. Transgression is an offense uh, going against a code of conduct. Any rule that's set up that you knew you should have lived up to, but you didn't. That says, you're blessed are those. Who are, who's blessed? Those whose transgressions are forgiven. This is through the power of Christ. And then in the present, whose sins are, can everyone say, covered? Listen, your transgressions are forgiven. Your sins are what? Covered. You know, Kenny did the communion this morning. And he was talking about the ancient Israelites and how the, they were told by Moses through God to put the blood on the doorpost to represent a sacrifice that was made for them. And when they put the blood on it, when the angel of destroyer came in, it says that he went over their house. How many want God to go over your house? Well, this is what Christ is. Our sins are covered. Really? Yes, really. How many think this is very good news? God takes care of your past. Your transgressions, they're forgiven. Your sins, they are covered right now. This is an amazing thing. Right now, you're sanctified, you're healed, you're being restored, you're getting empowered. And in the future, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Think about it. Think about the future. God's going, your past, I got it. He goes, your present, I got it. He says in Hebrews, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Isaiah says, I, even I, uh, the Savior, he goes, I will blot out their transgressions and remember their sins no more. And now, not only that, he won't, he won't go back and remember them. And he looks forward and he says, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Ever. I mean, how good does God need to be? <laughs> I got your past covered. Right now, you're covered. The future, I'll never count it against you. What? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense outside of a redeemer who is perfect, who is righteousness embodied. Right? Amen? And guess what? That means that the future has hope. It means that the future has a prosperity to it. That means, he says, I have hope for you, plans, plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. This is God looking forward. I got your back. Put the summary here in the next slide. Can everyone say, I am blessed? 
you don't realize, you may not realize how much so. God is not giving you a license to sin. You're forgiven, so just do whatever you want. I've never met anybody who has really experienced the goodness of God that way and said, all right, let's go shoot some heroin tonight. It's awesome. We're forgiven. My first conversation when I first learned about forgiveness and its depth, I remember calling my pastor because I was on my way to a bar to drink. And I had, I had so much stress in my life, it was the only thing that ever worked for me. So I turned to my semi-savior. It was a Long Island iced tea. And, 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 you know, and as I was drinking, I had it in my hand, and I had Jody's brother, who's like a 350-pound biker with full of tats. And I go, aren't you going to stop me? And he goes, no, God can do that. And I go, shut up. You know, stop talking to me like that. Shut up. You know, and he just said, I go, you're not going to stop or take it out of my hand. And I go, I'm drinking this thing. I remember telling him, I'm drinking this thing. What's God going to do? Is he going to kill me? Because <laughs> I had an encounter with God. And so I called my pastor up and I go, hey, I'm in a bar right now. And he goes, uh-huh. and I go, I'm about to drink right now. And he goes, you going to stop me? And he goes, what's God saying to you, Eric? And I go, don't ask me stuff like that. And I serious, I, I drank, this was the last time that I had that serious alcohol. I went bam and I drank the thing down after I got off on the phone with him. And then I could just sense the Lord, he took out, and I'm not saying this because I wanna make it more glorified, but he took the effect of the alcohol gone, boom, it was gone. There was no buzzing, nothing. And he just said right now, he said, Eric, you can face reality. You can do it. And I looked at it and he says, and I'll be with you. You don't need this. And no one ever made me do it. There was no rule that made me do it. It was the power of God on the inside. And I put it down and never looked back. I love the recovery groups. I was never part of a recovery group. God restored my soul by his power. And I was redeemed. He can do that in a recovery group. He can do it in a small group. He can do it in a large group. He can do it however he wants. But he's the power. Do I hear an amen? Amen. I am blessed. My transgressions, can everyone say, are forgiven. My sins, what? They're covered. How about in the future? I have a clean record forever. He blessed, blessed, I am blessed. Blessed is the man whose sin, whose sin, the Lord will never count against him. When I first heard this, because I thought, man, I got too many I get rid of five and five more show up. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, if everything you thought right now that you'd be delivered from, trust me, five more things. And it's not because God is mean throwing them up there. It's just that holiness is just so awesome. Amen. All right. Last one here. Can everyone say destiny? By the way, are you getting anything out of this? It is, I, I hope so. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. He's going to equate himself with the father. Philip's going to ask him, show us the father and that'll be enough for us. And he's going to say, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, he who has seen me has seen the father. If you don't believe me, at least believe on the evidences of the miracles themselves. And he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. How many think this is a profound speech from Jesus Christ? Okay, he's equating himself and that's why he's getting stoned for blasphemy, a, a mere man claiming himself to be God. But here he tells them, because he's telling them, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna take off. And they're going, are you gonna just like disappear in the crowd and we're gonna lose you? Is that what's gonna happen? You're just gonna go into jail and we can't have access to you? What's gonna happen, Jesus? And he's going, he's talking about the cross. I'm going, I'm bringing you deliverance. I'm, you know, I need to go here. Unless I go, you won't have redemption. It has to happen. This is the way that it has to happen. It's the only way that your sin is totally covered forever. Blessed is he who sin the Lord will never count against him. Here you have destiny. And then he says, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't experience conflict. Don't worry about it. And then he says in verse two, in my father's house are how many rooms? Many rooms. And some people will say, yeah, but the road to, you know, the road to life is narrow and the road to destruction is broad. That's true. Because Christ is a very narrow road. 
But let me tell you something. In the book of Revelation and also in Abraham's promise, it says the, the multitude that were there were beyond count, human count. You know, like the sands of the seas. He says, a great multitude that no one can number, like sands on the shore and the stars in the sky. And it's not a limited, just visible stars. It's the stars that go out, you know, 15 billion light years. If it were not so, I would have told you. And this gets me every time. Because he goes, if I got a lot of rooms, and if I didn't, I would have told you. And I was just thinking, what if he didn't? He would have told me. <laughs> right? I just want to tell you, Eric, yeah, there's not a lot of rooms. <laughs> what about me? Well, there's not a lot of rooms. <laughs> and I know how to tell you the truth. Because how many of you know Jesus never shrinks back from telling the truth? If they're liars, he goes, you're liars. If they're evil, he just goes, yeah, you're evil. It's not like you're evil. He doesn't have attitude that way. It's just like, though you being evil, yeah, you do that. Listen, there are many rooms that weren't that way. I would have told you. I would have told you the truth. This is, this is him trying to give us assurance. And he says, I'm going there to prepare a place. I'm going to this transcendent place. That's not from the material world. It's a transcendent world. Your soul, which is invisible, embodying this physical body. You're functioning a brain. You're inhabiting a functioning brain and body that's growing and eventually decaying to the dust. But your soul, you will live forever. And it'll be a resurrected body. And this is him. I'm going there. I'm, I'm doing this cross thing all the way because that's the only way. I'm going there to prepare a place. A place is a, is a, is a place within, you know, space, a location, a GPS, you know, to make it small-minded just on earth alone. But it's a location. And he's saying that location is set for you. How many think this is very good news? Okay. And verse 3 If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. If I go, I'm going there and I'm preparing a place. Why? Because I'm going to come back. I'm going to make this way through the cross and I'm going to be, and then it says, you will be seated in Christ in the heavenly realms. Do you know that you're seated in him in the heavenly realms right now? Right now. That's why your sins are not counted against you and done in the body. Because the fact that we're redeemed. We've already passed the threshold. And now we're presenting the gospel to others and watching the power of God sanctify us. And one day we'll be transposed into his very image. Isn't this good? When we see him, we shall what? We shall be like him. This is good news, right? We're not going to be God, but we'll be made in his image, in our own unique identity. That's why he put a soul in us. And then he says, and look at, I love Philip and Thomas here. This is Thomas asking it in a different way than Philip asks later. He says, you know, put, put the next slide on there. He goes, you know the way to the place where I'm going. You know it. Thomas says to him, Lord, but don't you love when the disciples don't know stuff, right? They don't go, yes, we understand and we will follow. Right behind you, Jesus. Out. They're black ops, you know? No, it's, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Like, what are you talking about? Explain it to us. Where, just tell us, Lord, where are you going? Because they have in their mind, we'll just follow you there. Like whatever you do, and we know that the minute, you know, Jesus gets cap- captured, they all scatter, don't they? I don't know him. Who's him? Who's Jesus? He goes, you don't, we don't know the place where you're going. If you do, if you tell us, we'll follow you. And listen what he says. He says, he answers. And this is the unique thing of Christianity. He doesn't point to a bunch of rules. And he even confronts the Pharisees. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you're going to find eternal life. (sighs) Catch this anointing. But I tell you the truth that they point to me. The scriptures point to me, says Jesus. 
Jesus answered, I am the way. He's the method. He's the means. He's the way. It's not exclusive. It's the method. Sins have to be compensated. Justice has to be resolved. Everything we need to be made right so sins won't be counted against us. I am the way and I am the truth. I am the life. He is the eternal life. Profound. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is not an exclusivity attitude. This is a matter of fact. Without forgiveness of your sins, justice has to be served. How many think justice has to prevail? And if you don't think so, imagine, then I'll just come and punch you in the face right now. Right? And you go, that ain't right. And I go, it's okay. And I'll do it again. Because there is no justice. We all like justice, don't we? Unless it's on you when you're a sinner, right? Blessed is the man who sinned. The Lord will never... Thank you, Kaylin. One person memorized it. <laughs> Blesses the man who sinned, the Lord will. A little louder. Does everyone understand that scripture? Don't make me waste my time up here. He will never count it against us. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me. All right. I'm going to quote the last one. It's a summary in the book of Exodus. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. This is the promise of God. Why don't you close your eyes? I'm gonna give you a chance between you and God to respond to a few things. All of our base camp leaders come forward. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, you don't look at us and just go, wow, look at those sinners as you're judgmental. Lord, you just know right from wrong and you say it truthfully. And I admit that I am a sinner and I've fallen short of your glory. And I thank you for Christ's work, his redemption that has paid for my sin, that I'm forgiven. And if that's something that you need right now, just say, I need the forgiveness of God in my life. I need to put my hope in Christ. We, we just raise your hand high to God. Just raise your hand to say, Lord, I need the forgiveness. I need your mercy. I need your redeeming power. There might be some things that you've messed up in your life. Don't fret over it. Just commit it to God and say, Lord, would you heal me? Would you restore me? Would you redeem what I've messed up and make it right? And maybe it's other people that have hurt you in some way. You say, Lord, I can forgive them because I've been forgiven. Just say, Lord, I extend to them the same forgiveness that I received. I give it to them. And for some of you here, you just need a reminder that God's going to, he's got your sins covered even in the future. That's not a license so that you'll sin more, but it's a peace and a hope that says God's going to cleanse me. And God, he's not going to hold my sins against me. And you need that redemption and that assurance that God has the power to save you. Just raise your hand. Say, Father, I need that reminded. And then eternal life. Do you know that God's preparing a place for you? That scripture wasn't just a few people. He says, I'm not praying for those in the world, but those that you've given me out of the world. And you say, Lord, I embrace that promise. You're preparing a place for me. You've done it through the cross, but there is a place in the house of the Lord, a transcendent place where God dwells forever. He uses a simple analogy, just a room, a house to try to communicate us to a simple thing. The room is where you sleep, where you live. The house is is your dwelling. It's your abode. It's the room to walk around and be yourself. God's saying, I got a house for you. It's my father's house and he's got rooms for you. And you need that reminder. Would you just raise your hand to God now too? Just raise your hand to say, Lord, I need to be reminded of that. I cannot say now any stronger, just with your eyes closed. I'm just overwhelmed by the sense of the love of God for you. God loves you with an everlasting love. Can I convince you through the scriptures that he so loved you that he sent his only son to take care of every single detail in your soul, every trouble, every heartache, everything in the past. He came to save you. 
He is saving you right now in your life. You may not see everything, but you can trust him. He cares about you. Yep, I love it. We got a kid, a childlike attitude. Uh, Even a child can come and understand something like this. But the adult who's lived through life, it's so hard for him to comprehend this this kind of goodness that is beyond what we imagine as good. And I ask you just to embrace, say, Lord, I receive your love. I receive your love, all of it, poured into my soul, poured into my life. Father, I praise you. Lord, that you are full of redemption and love for your people, that you're not a wimp. Lord, that you have all power and strength, all glory. Lord, that the creatures in the transcendent place bow before you and say, honor and glory and wisdom be to our God. The God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the mighty God, the lover of our soul, the redeemer. When he acts, who can reverse it? Nothing can separate us from his love. No height or power or depth or angel or demon. Nothing in all else in creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. It is solid. Our transgressions are forgiven. Our transgressions, our sins are covered. The Lord. And we're blessed. And our sin will never be counted against us. Thank you for the free gift of Jesus Christ. Free to us, but costly to you. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. How many got something from the Lord? Can we give him a clap offering? Father, we praise your name. Blessed be your name. If you want to be part of our base camp, grab one of our base camp leaders as a discipleship on how to grow in some of these truths that I mentioned today. And we'll see you next week. Enjoy the game, especially if you're a Bronco fan. God bless you.